All right, let's go. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Charles Chuck Tutal Thompson. What's up today, Chuck? A riveting speech last night that I just can't seem to get over. It'll get you out of bed in the morning. Yeah, I woke up just more excited than I've ever been to be an American. That's that's what I most felt in my bones today. I didn't uh, I didn't watch the speech last night. Of course, we're talking about Biden addressing Congress last night, and everyone had their masks on, and some people were sitting, some people were standing. You you know how the thing goes. They were all separated. They're separated. There are several seats apart. That Except Pelosi, very empty. Pelosi and Harris looked pretty close together. Yeah, they were. I love the I love the wearing a mask until it comes time to talk, and then taking it off like you're not projecting anything out of your mouth and aren't and you they all vaccinated on. yeah yeah every one of them is vaccinated they, like they're all vaccinated they have been running the heaviest anti-vax campaign i think we've ever seen because <laughs> they're like hey this thing doesn't work we're just letting you guys know it doesn't work yeah okay it does nothing at yeah. all that's literally the campaign that i feel like they've been running this whole time they're caught between a rock and a lava flow that's yeah that's, that's I heard happening. your granddad said that mine mm. wasn't uh, always as drunk as yours, but exactly. This is the good well, morning. He lived in Hawaii. Oh, okay. For a while. I'm not sure how that applies, but that is where our that we are the most favoritist of the Hawaii morning shows out there. We know that because mm-hmm. this is Good Morning Liberty, and we record at 11 a.m. Hawaii time. And apparently, so. it's Larry Ellison's favorite podcast, from what I understand. Yeah. Considering he owns ninety eight percent of Lanai, <laughs> one of the it, Hawaiian islands, I I'm, just found that out. I'm sure he listens every morning. Yeah, uh, and we appreciate him for that. He should sign up on Patreon, though. He should. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Can we have a Larry Ellison tier? <laughs> we need a tier up there. Yeah, yeah. roughly a million dollars is what we need to put on there per month. This, yeah, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. So make sure you smash that subscribe button as hard as you physically can or the follow button or whatever it is on that tyrannical podcast app you are using on a daily basis to get this liberty goodness put directly into your ear hole. Okay, so Biden did this speech last night and we're going to be playing parts of it. We've got a couple news stories, but mainly we're going to be talking about what was in this speech because it's important. I have to tell you, now that I listen to it, this speech was straight up just, I'm going to, I'm going to say a bunch of cheesy things, but it's true. This speech was just straight up big government, socialism, government fixes all things. You're in a hard time, so we're going to solve it for you. The more money we get, the better it is for you kind of speech. It was one of the most big government fixes everything speeches I've heard in quite some time. Well, and you can tell that there's one line in there that you can tell for sure. That's exactly what he's saying. I'm probably going to spoil this. You probably have this in here. I, I don't know if you do or not, because I don't, I don't know what clips you pulled. But one thing that struck me, I think, deeply was when he said, we the people means the government. <laughs> did you catch that? I did not hear that. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. So mm. you didn't grab that clip. I don't have uh, that clip. That was, to me, the most um, 
striking thing he said that that he somehow changed the uh, the Declaration of Independence of we the people to mean to mean the government, yeah. not not us. It, it really was. It's hard to put into words, but it was this overarching theme. It was of hard for him government. to put into words too. It, it was <laughs> this overarching theme of government is the answer that we are here to save you, uh, that the the rich are bad, the government is good, we wouldn't have had any of these things without the government, we wouldn't have had the internet, we wouldn't have had the transcontinental railroad, we wouldn't have had any of these things without the government. It really was this raw, raw government speech, and it was slightly disgusting to listen to, and... I'm glad they weren't showing any clips of Bernie Sanders from the ways down. Let me tell you that. Because he had a mask on, but I don't know if he had a cup on. So anyway, let's play some of this. Let's see where we're going to start. We're going to start at the earliest part that I could start grabbing. And I believe he's talking about the aid that we've given to people because they were in a hard time. And there was nothing we could have done about this. And luckily we were here to save the day. Let's get this queued up here real quick. Go ahead, Joe. For many people, it's making all the difference in the world. A single mom in Texas who wrote me, she said she couldn't work. But she said the relief check put food on the table and saved her and her son from eviction from their apartment. A grandmother in Virginia who told me she immediately took her granddaughter to the eye doctor, something she said she put off for months because she didn't have the money. One of the defining images, at least from my perspective in this crisis, has been cars lined up, cars lined up for miles. And not, not people just barely able to start those cars, nice cars, <laughs> lined up for miles. <laughs> now realize... Realize what he meant, what he, in his brain, what he was going to right there was not just poor people and their yeah, cars, yeah. not people with crappy cars. Black people, too. <laughs> These were, yeah. They, yeah. Because they don't know how to use them. Right. You right. Know? These were people with nice cars yeah. that were lined up. And what it, which this wasn't even the, the end of the clip yet, but I reckon we'll be doing this quite a bit. In fact, I might as well just put this a little bit smaller on the screen so it's not blocking our faces the whole time because we'll probably stop and start this quite a bit. Um, the theme here is, luckily, we were here to help. And the idea with the cars and the lines, it reminded me of something that Bernie Sanders has said before about food lines and bread lines being a good thing. Yeah. And do I think that Bernie likes it when people are starving and there has to be a bread line? Probably not, but he loves being the person that supplies that breadline. And these people, they love the fact that they saw their, their people, the country, lining up, and they were there to help them. Okay? That, I'm telling you, they, they, they enjoy it in a, in a really small way because it makes them feel better. Well, I'd say they enjoy it in a sick way. Yeah. As if they're, the, yeah. they're patting themselves on the back. As if, like, look at what we've done for you. Yeah, it is. If it wasn't for us, what would, what would you have done? And that's what I was going to ask. Why couldn't that single mother in Texas work? I wonder why she was out of work. This is going to be a common theme today. Could it possibly be that the, that the government forced a shutdown? 
No. That's not it. No. no. That's not it. No, this I'm was... Glad I'm Look, and, and I'll say this at the outset, too. I don't want... They do a really <coughs> good... They do such a good job of bringing these personal stories in. And um, I I don't want that single mother to, to not be able to get food either. Of course I don't. I would I would much rather her be able to work and make money and pay her bills and, and provide for her child. I grew up with a single mom. She raised three gigantic children. <laughs> All right. I kid you not. We used to go through seven gallons of milk every single week, every week. And your brothers probably didn't even drink milk. I've seen any. you go down that much. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it, you know, obviously I, my, my heart goes out to single mothers and I, it's a very tough job and um, I'm sure we didn't make it easy on, on our mom a lot of times, but like, so of course I want them to be able to get help, but why were they in the situation to begin with? It's, it's the old thing that we talk about all the time where the government breaks your leg and then it's like offers the force someone else to buy you crutches, line up in your nice <laughs> yeah. car to get your crutch. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's just disgusting. <clears throat> and they, and they, then what they do is they sit up here on this podium and and then and they, and they, as if they've won the moral high ground. It, it is. That's, it is a moral high ground. I thing. know, and it it's is. so disgusting. And most people are like, "Yeah, well, what we what would we would have done? What what could we have possibly done?" I was listening to, um, uh, Bajorg, uh, Long. What's oh my gosh, dang it! What's his name? Nailed it. Bajorn. Bajorn. On, no, Bajorn. <laughs> Is it Bajorn? Um, yeah, it's Bajorn. It, he was on um, Jordan Peterson's podcast, um, I, th- I believe, last it, week. I think it's Bjorn. Bjorn. how you would say Bjorn. that. I think yeah. he called him Bajorn, but whatever. Oh, okay. Bjorn. Anyway, I can't remember his last name now. Dang it. But he's the guy who has was on the UN with, with Jordan Peterson and everything else. He's got several books out there. But um, now I forgot what I was going to say because I got stuck on this guy's name. Anyway, what, <laughs> you what I'm trying to say is, oh, well, we shut down because of COVID. But what he was talking about is just as many people die every single year or more from tuberculosis. And that's been going on for hundreds of years now. And why, why is it that COVID hit? We have to shut everything down, but we don't do anything about tuberculosis. And, and so I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's insanity to me that they can sit, they can sit up here and you watch Kamala Harris smile underneath her mask and shake her head yes and look how great we are it just makes me sick makes me sick charlie's sick all right let's go waiting for a box of food to be put in their trunk i don't know about you but i didn't ever think i'd see that in america and all of this is through no fault of their own no fault of their own these people are in this position Okay, now, I'm going to say something insensitive. But I'm also going to say that no fault of their own, We he is slightly saying that this pandemic happened to people. It was difficult to prepare for. Uh, he's not admitting the fact that it was the government's response to the pandemic that created these food lines and created this need for this $1,400 check. He's not admitting that, but he's... He kind of is, a a little bit. It was no fault of their own, kind of. But I do have something I I need to say here. And it sounds insensitive. But people do need to be ready 
for things to happen. I'm not saying that everyone's going to be uh, wealthy and have great big bank accounts and be good like that. Here's the fault of your own. If you have supported any of the mainstream Democratic and Republican agendas over the last hundred years, you're a super old person, then you've got a little bit of fault, okay? And now maybe the people that you voted for didn't even get in there. But if you have remained completely silent and have allowed the government to do this without ever speaking up about it, and then one day you woke up to the government being able to stop you from actually going to work and earning money, there's a little fault in that. Now, it maybe still happened to people who did uh, speak out, who did do things like joining podcasts like this on Patreon, like sharing the right information and getting it out there. But if you've been complicit in this in this this ideology that we need the government as our safety net, the government needs to regulate everything, that the government needs complete control over the economy, then it's not no fault of your own that eventually the government took all that away from you. That's that's all I have to say about that. And that might sound a little insensitive because oh. I know a lot of people uh, would maybe not want the government to do that. But it, it doesn't matter if you wanted the government to do that. You were complicit you were at least silent when you were supportive of them doing this little thing. Of course we need a regulation for this. Of course we need them to control businesses in this little way, right? Of course we need some kind of licenses. Of course we need the government health department doing this. I love it when I see the health department score on the thing and all that. You're a little bit at fault. We need the FDA to approve drugs. Otherwise, how do we know they're safe, even though we'll take a vaccine that's not FDA approved? Yeah. (laughs) And and I'll agree with you. I mean, first of all, I need to say that you have such a condescending tone, Nate. I, I, I mean, know. the condescension in it, your tone. It is condescending. Is up to 11. I know. And it only, this dial only goes to 10. I know. And you're at 11. It's impressive. That's, that's, <laughs> that's condescension on the window. I know. If I've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, second of all, I, you know, I do obviously agree. It is your fault. Now, of course, the actual shutdown was the action of the government. But how did we get here? How did we get to the place? He even said himself, I never thought I'd see this in America. Yeah, you're the you're the person actually in power adopting and passing policies that lead to things exactly like this. And then your mind is blown that this is something that I never thought I'd see this in America. How, Joe? How'd you not see this one coming? You've been advocating and implementing policies that do nothing but lead us to this point. And it's because for them, all of the blame lies on the pandemic, the virus. There's a little bit of Trump and Trump. There's, as I was going to say, there's a little bit of outside blame on people refusing to wear masks. Trump doing Trump, not letting people know early enough, something like that. There's a little bit of blame outside of the fact that a virus existed. And it's been killing people. But it lies in people on the right not doing the right things to socially distance and all that. And it lies on Trump leading to somehow the entire portion of people who died. All of those things land on Trump as well. It doesn't land on the government whatsoever. It's not that the government itself, the idea that the government controls all of these parts of our lives, and it was mismanaged, it was taken advantage of, it was used in a tyrannical nature. It's not any of those things. It's that the people in power didn't do the right things, and the people didn't 
listen. The the actual people didn't listen to what the experts were saying and and all of this, all of these things from the conspiracy theorists and all them. But it's not the fact that the government sucks at every single thing that it does or that the government has too much power. You'll never hear that. Well, unless someone they don't like is in charge. Then, right. then there's too much power. I just something I've always said in this chamber and the other. Good guys and women on Wall Street, but Wall Street didn't build this country. The middle class built the country, and unions built the middle class. Oh, God. So that's why I'm calling on Congress to pass Protect the Right to Organize Act, the PRO Act, and send it to my desk so we can support the right to unionize. What? He gets so heated when it comes to how the unions built the middle class the unions built yeah and the middle class built this country who i mean in large part that's not wrong the middle class did build the country you could say in large part physically yeah in large part immigrants (laughs) because (laughs) yeah most people came over here from overseas to to find a new life um but no what i mean what built this country is freedom it's liberty to produce and, and and become a middle class because you have to remember prior to 1900 most people lived most people starved, actually. A lot of a lot uh, of your kids died. Uh, yeah, on less than a dollar a day. And it wasn't until we had the freedom and the liberty to pursue these endeavors and create unbelievable value to people that people started becoming really rich. Uh, a regular everyday folk, you know, came from rags to riches. And it, it has nothing to do with unions. It's just so disgusting. What you have to ask, because maybe you can make the arguments that the unions made wages and working conditions better for some people in the early 1900s, but you can't stop when you're tracing it back. You can't stop right there. How did we get to the point where unions could even exist? How did we get to the point where unions could even ask for these things and some of them could be possible? What happened before that? For those unions to be well, able to I had exist. this talk with my dad because he brought up, well, you know, there was child labor and all this prior to unions and stuff. I'm like, Dad, if you go back a little bit further and you and then you look at the timeline, child labor was already on the decline by the time people started unionizing and making laws against child labor and things like that, against uh, worker safety and things like that. I'm not saying that those things aren't important. And I'm not saying you can't unionize. You can do all those things. In fact, he even said to legalize unions or, or, or make it the easy. ability to unionize the, the yeah. ability. You already have that ability. If the people, if the people vote if, for it and the business owner allows that exactly this bill takes apart that side of it where the business owner allows it to happen. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because, now the business owner doesn't have a choice because all of your, if, if all of your employees decide that they're going to unionize you as a business owner should have the right to fire those people. You, you absolutely should. Mm. It might not. Is that what I recommend? I don't know. I don't know the specific scenario. But if you want to fire an entire block of people, then do it. You know who fired an entire block of people? I'd had no idea about this. I was talking to my dad about this the other day. You know who did that? No. Reagan. Yeah. Reagan in the 80s fired all of the air traffic controllers. Really? All of them. Every single one of them because they wanted to unionize. Reagan told them to piss off and said, if you unionize, I'll fire every single one of you. They unionized and he fired every single one of them. 
Well, Every single one of them. I just got, just made me like Reagan a little bit <laughs> more right there. I, I no. didn't believe him at first. I was like, no, you got to be joking. I looked it up and I was like, that is a hilarious move. Yeah, I uh, and they are. We'll be talking about Amazon here in just a minute. They did have that big vote down in Alabama and 70% of the vote went against unionizing. And that's because if you work at Amazon, it's a pretty darn good job. And they're even sweetening the deal for a lot of people right now. Well, since we're talking about unions right now, why don't we just run into Hang this? On, let real me read quick. this real yeah. quick for you. On August 5th, following the PATCO workers' refusal to turn work, that's the union they created because they were striking, Reagan administration fired 11,345 striking air traffic controllers who ignored the order and banned them from federal service for life. <laughs> that's hardcore. Yeah, that's parkour right there. Now, look, of course, I don't want people to lose their jobs. That's not what I'm saying. I, that, you know, I, it's funny. It's, it, it's historically funny, I guess, in, in my opinion, because a lot of people think like, oh, well, they can't do that. They can't do that. And then it's like, watch me. Yeah, I'll do it. Um, and, and the thing about it is, is like you, you have to remember that now, of course, this is this is government. But if we're talking about private business, we get into this argument all the time that, well, especially with with socialists, it's like, well, you know, the workers are the ones that create the value and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, who was there at the beginning? Uh, Nate and I own a company right now. OK, and we have a couple people working for us. And I can tell you, there's not a line of people out the door trying to unionize to help us grow this company up to what it needs to be. And okay? no, one, no one's trying to take a share of the profits right now. Either. No, and they're not trying to take a share of the losses. <laughs> no one's no one's out the door. My address is on. If you go to the website, my address is listed to my house, which is where my business is, because you have to have that. And it's like no one's no one's lining up at my door saying, hey, I'm here to help grow the business so we all can share in profits. No one's doing that. What they wait for is they wait for it to be built. And then they come in and say they're the ones providing all the value. They wait for all the risk to be gone. Exactly. And it just pisses me off so much. So much. Now, again, you have the right to unionize. I don't think everything about a union is necessarily bad. What What's bad about unions is their political power and the things like the PRO Act that can stop private business owners from having a say in how their, their labor is operated. And stopping them from being able to fire people if they are going to exactly. be unionizing. Exactly. Yes. Stopping them from being able to fight against this, stopping them from being able to run a campaign against unionizing. It's a terrible, terrible bill. And it also, the PRO Act is the one that makes the independent contractors and the employees. I mean, that is a, it's a terrible, terrible idea of a law. So bad that even California didn't like it. That's how bad it is. Okay. Uh, by the way, Amazon, they're going to be spending a billion dollars to boost pay for 500,000 employees by as much as $3 an hour. Now, they've already got a $15 an hour minimum wage at Amazon. They said Amazon announced Wednesday that it plans to invest more than a billion dollars in wage increases for its operations workers, promising raises between $0.50 cents and $3 an hour to more than half a million employees. Amazon currently offers workers in these positions a starting wage of $15 an hour, which is set in 2018. The Seattle-based tech giant has been lobbying for other U.S. companies and the federal government to match that wage. The current minimum wage in the U.S. is $7.25, which hardly anyone makes what the current minimum wage is. What's it doing? What'd they announce? Uh, I don't know what they announced, but it's up at 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> Good. <clears throat> Good. We uh, took some. Took, we took a bet on Amazon today, so I'm I'm hoping they pop in after hours. We'll see. It really was. It really was a bet. So they now employ 1.3 million people worldwide, second largest employer in the U.S. behind Walmart. And they're raising their wages for some people up to $18 an hour. Now, part of this is the fact that they want to compete with all of the other employers out there uh, because it's hard to get people to go to work right now. And they need people because they are growing really quickly. So they need the workers to come in. And the other thing is they're going to try and discourage some people from feeling like they want to unionize by really sweetening the deal so they can keep some of these unionization efforts down and more people will be happy and they won't have to worry about this entire thing. So, and that is, that is the thing. So, uh, what Joe just said, this is also clearly, this is a response to what happened in Alabama where they did have the big unionization vote. Now it, it didn't go through, but if the pro act were in place, I think the unionization would have gone through and they would have essentially been forced into doing it. What they what has happened now is the workers organized, they mounted a sizable threat against Amazon and Amazon's now trying to keep those people at bay, try to keep them happy <laughs> so they don't try to do this again. And this is kind of the, the push and pull between things. Would Amazon have done this if the people wouldn't have tried to unionize? We'll never know. They do still have to compete with Walmart, with uh, see Costco, their minimum wage is $16 an hour. Uh, they do still have to com- they do still have to compete with all of these companies, but more than likely wouldn't have been such a big jump that quickly. Let's see what else old Joe had to say. The last president had that as an objective. We all know how outrageously expensive drugs are in America. In fact, we pay the highest prescription drug prices of anywhere in the world, right here in America. Nearly three times for the same drug, nearly three times what other countries pay. We have to change that and we can. And we can't see on the videos they're focusing on Bernie Sanders. This is a simple this is essentially a little blue pill for Bernie Sanders right mm-hmm. here. He's a, he's <laughs> he's about to bust out of his mask right now. <laughs> Let's do what we talked about for all the years I was down here in this in this body in Congress. Let's give Medicare the power to save hundreds of billions of dollars by negotiating lower drug prescription prices. That's a billion, hundred billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give Medicare the billions of dollars by negotiating. Now, by negotiating, what they mean is do this or we'll kill you. Right. Because yes. that's what the government, that's how they negotiate. Yes. yes. Okay. They negotiate by saying, no, nah, we're not paying that. Yeah. This is what we're paying. Like, you only have this as an option. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, millions of people on Medicare. And if you don't do this, then we're not going to allow you to sell any prescription drugs actually anywhere. In fact, we'll put you in prison. We'll burn your buildings down. <laughs> so good negotiating session. Yeah. Mr. Sir. That's- <laughs> They're coming from a very strong place. Yeah, they have, they've got the upper hand as far as negotiations yeah, they go. they sure do. But we've talked about this a bunch of times. Other countries have negotiated their prices. By that, we mean they have set caps on how much they will pay for these drugs. Price control. Price control, these drugs. And since we still have a massive market of 330 million people over here in the USA without the price caps, we end up getting the remainder of what all of those people should have been paying for the drugs. And yeah, we're subsidizing. We are. We, we are. Actually, the negotiating needs to be done with the other countries 
to raise their price caps on some of these drugs because they're getting a sweet deal and then we're having to pay. Now, you might think, well, why don't we just come in and we set price controls here just like everyone else did. Then you get into killing the actual supply of the market. Well, not only that, the the biggest downfall is going to be research and development of new life-saving drugs. And so if everybody's fine living to, you know, 80 to a hundred and this is just where we're at in society and that's a good life and no big deal. We don't need to find any other life-saving technologies or anything like that. No big deal. We'll just price cap everything. If you don't think there's any going to be any new diseases coming along the horizon, any new ways to take out human life, no big deal. No big deal. We'll just set everything like it is now. Everybody gets everything. We'll just do it for free, actually. And uh, we'll just we'll just stay here. Doesn't matter what happens. The other thing you'll notice is throughout this speech, and we'll notice this a lot of times, They spend, he spent no time talking about why the drug costs might be so high. And there are a lot of reasons why they are really high. One of them, a very, a, a, a small percentage of the reasons of probably a thousand reasons is greed. One of them. And then there's a whole lot of other regulations telling you why it is so expensive on a list of uh, like a a list of a hundred reasons. I don't think greed's on that list. Probably not top 100 reasons of the prices. Probably closer down to 200. No, I was, what's actually funny is, um, I had, they were taught, was it banking regulations they were talking about? Yeah. I think that's what it was in the show. I was watching. They said, you know, if you're Jewish, you've got these 613 rules that essentially make you as close to being perfect as possible if you live by them perfectly your whole life. And there's 613 rules and it's very hard to ever accomplish. Well, there's a million banking regulations. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's pretty ridiculous and then you know that the healthcare regulations are right up there with it. Let's see what else he has. Oh yeah, there was a, a nice gem here at the end. I like Ted Cruz's mask. He says come and take by it. By the way, it won't just won't just tell people on Medicare. Lower prescription drug costs for everyone. And the money we save, which is billions of dollars, can go to strengthen the Affordable Care Act and expand Medicare coverage benefits without costing taxpayers an additional penny. It's within our power to do it. Let's do it now. Now, this is not within the government's power to do anything without costing taxpayers an additional penny. Yeah. They literally can't do anything without costing taxpayers an additional penny. Well, because they're going to get rid of pennies. Yes. <laughs> That's why he can say that. <laughs> Maybe he meant, uh, but it might cost you an additional dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, about a thousand dimes yeah. is what it's going to cost you. <laughs> this is all about a simple premise. Healthcare should be a right, not a privilege in America. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm not sure we have to say anything else about that. I feel if, like if you, this is your first time listening, go back. There's several episodes on healthcare. Um, and look, I want people to be taken care of. Of course I do. I, I in fact, uh, I, I was actually pursuing, this is a little known fact about me. I was pursuing a nursing degree right out, right out of high school. I, I took nursing in high school. Um, I was part of the nursing team in high school, spent a lot of time volunteering at our uh, local nursing home. And there was this, there was this great guy there. He called me a, he called me a good old cup of coffee. Yeah. From the great, what do you say? From the great country of Kentucky. That's what he called me anyway. Um, and so I, I obviously, I more than anything, I want to help people. I, I, 
it breaks my heart when people struggle. But the thing about it is, is that if we, we, I mean, we have to think about this. Healthcare can't be a right. It's no, it's impossible for it to be a right because it requires conscripting other people to do something for you or, or forcing other entities to do, do something for you. Now we already have, uh, um, laws in place that guarantee, uh, healthcare that you can be seen by a provider and medical treatment uh, provided without asking you how you're going to pay for it. That, that already exists. We're, they, they thanks, act like thanks, people, Reagan. they act like people are dying in the streets. This is what they act like. People are just dying. There's falling over dead because they can't get any medical treatment. Yeah. And I'll tell you, they can get all kinds of medical treatment. Go to any, any emergency room whatsoever. And they have to treat you before asking for any type of payment whatsoever. A a good way. What Charlie was saying there is it's conscripting someone else. What we and other libertarians, liberty loving people would say is you do not have a right to a product or service that has to be provided by another person. That would be called slavery. And when you go down this conversation with people, you go down this rabbit hole of a conversation, they don't mean that doctors should have to work and we're not going to pay them anything, that you should go there and force the doctor to do work for you and the doctor is not going to get paid for their time. They don't, they don't mean that. So that's normally where the conversation ends right there for them. They're like, oh, well, doctors are still going to get paid. I'm obviously not enslaving anyone. Okay. The doctors are going to get paid by whom? Who's, well, the, the, gov- the government will subsidize it, right? They'll make sure that doctors get paid if the people can't pay for it. All right. Well, where does the government get their money? Well, they get their money by forcefully taking it from other people. There's a certain portion of the year that you work at the behest of the government. They force you to work for a few months and not receive any money for it. And so when you trace that all the way down, they do still mean that they are going to enslave people. Most of them don't mean that it's the doctor is going to work and not get paid. The doctor is going to get paid by the government. The government's going to get paid by someone else that they enslaved to give money to the government. So they do still, in saying things like this, they are still pushing slavery in my book. Mm-hmm. So And Joe, um, they do turn people away if it's not life-threatening. <clears throat> I'm meaning life-threatening. So if you have an allergic reaction, if you have a chest pain, if you have stroke symptoms, if you have anything that could kill you, essentially... They will treat you and make sure you'll be seen by a provider before they'll ask for any information whatsoever. They, they actually, I would, I would uh, disagree with that because everything I've read says that they do not turn people away, life-threatening or not. You go in there with a cough. The issue is um, if your cough turns out to be uh, lung cancer and they didn't treat you, then the government will own the hospital after that. And so that's why they have to accept everyone that comes in there. Because if you have a sore throat, well, maybe you have a esophageal dermatitis, <laughs> something like that. And then they'll end up getting fined out to, I mean, it, it's it's much better for them to just go ahead and, and take people. Um, these are, they, these are parts of the Imtala laws, Imtala, I think is what yes. it's called, mm-hmm. that uh, Reagan signed back in the 80s. It's such a harsh penalty 
if something turns out to be uh, something that is more serious and the ER didn't treat it, that they essentially end up taking anyone just to save themselves the the trouble the of having the, the liability of it mm. being something else. Yeah. And so that is why the ERs end up turning into walk-in clinics. Uh, we said that there are laws forcing them to take care of you, and I don't agree with those laws. I think the hospitals should make sure that they take care of anyone that comes in there. I'm just combating what they're saying because yeah. they act yeah. like people are just dying in the streets. And so, and Joe, I probably misread your comment there, so I apologize about that. He's he he works in the ER, so he knows. All these people that come in with every little Joe Rich great. My uh, my fiance told me. I think I can tell the story because there's no personal information. But uh, she told me that somebody came in one time for period cramps. Mm. Yeah, literal. Just was man or woman. <laughs> a man, obviously. Okay. Women just don't cry. Word. They don't cry about that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can't give any personal identifying information. Yeah. yeah. But someone someone came in. For period cramps by ambulance, by the way, by ambulance, by ambulance, Woo! ambulance. So, and I, I guarantee that person's probably on Medicaid. Yeah. Probably <laughs> gave him a thousand dollar might all and sent him on their way. <laughs> so, all righty. How do we pay for my jobs and family plan? I made it clear we can do it without increasing the deficits. Let's start with what I will not do. I will not impose any tax increase on people making less than $400,000. It's, but it's and a fact check, by the way, families making less than $400,000 is what he meant to say, not mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Time for corporate America and the wealthiest 1% of Americans to just begin to pay their fair share. <laughs> just their fair share. It's just their fair share. It's just their fair share. That's it. That's, that's, it's their fair share. As if they don't pay almost all the taxes already. Almost all of the taxes yeah, just are a, paid. Their fair share. <laughs> I mean, it's a ridiculous number. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but of the people in the top 20%, you're literally talking almost all of the tax revenue comes yeah. from those people. Yeah. Almost all of it. What is a fair share? What does that mean? The top 1% pay more in taxes than the bottom 50% combined. Well, yeah, the bottom 50% barely pays anything. Like almost nothing. Yeah. The bottom 50% pay, what's the average, 3%? Yeah, 2.5 2. was the, were the yeah. latest number. That was in yeah. 2018, but 2.5% yeah. for the bottom 50. Yeah. Negative 7% for the bottom 20. <laughs> they, they make money. Yeah, but the rich need to pay their fair share. Their fair share? That's They're what not they paying do. enough. It's not enough. Uh, it's not, never about the spending. It's always about the confiscation. We're not we're not stealing enough. The fair share. It's common sense sharing. A common sense sharing. Sometimes I have arguments with my friends in the Democratic Party. I think you should be able to become a billionaire and a millionaire, but pay your fair share. <laughs> Recent study shows. If you could have been whispering that into someone's ear from behind them, he would have. 55 of the nation's biggest corporations paid zero federal tax last year. Those 55 corporations made in excess of $40 billion in profit. $40 billion? <laughs> I didn't know it was that much. <laughs> we could make it through the rest of the freaking week with that money. Yeah. <laughs> you take wow. all their profit. $40 billion. Yeah. All of their profit. All of it. 
Not a not a little increase yeah. in the corporate tax rate. And that'll last you about four days. <laughs> Literally, the, the, the money he's talking about taking from this would last less than a day. And this is the problem that we need to talk about. All this is is something to get people pissed off. That's all it is. I don't mean getting me pissed off because he made the point. It's to get other people who aren't making that money and maybe who did actually pay something in taxes. It's to get them mad at those 55 corporations. And of course, I mean, you realize the 55 is as cherry picked as they could get it. If they could make it, if they could say 60 and it was 60 billion, or if they could say 40 and it was 50 billion, they've, they've cherry picked the greatest number that they possibly can. The 40 billion is nothing compared to the government. Stop acting like this is a solution. I'm not having the, I'm not even entering the debate about whether or not they should pay the taxes or not pay the taxes or pay a higher percentage, but can we stop acting like the 40 billion freaking matters to the government whatsoever? Yeah. It's just a thing to get people upset. Well, yeah, because it sounds like a lot of money to most people. Yeah. Because they don't realize how quickly the government spends that. That's a, it's now a rounding error in the government. 40 billion is just like, yeah, well, well. We don't know what happened to that. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to get rid of the loopholes, allow Americans to make more than a million dollars a year and pay a lower tax rate on their capital gains than Americans who receive a paycheck. So they're, they're going to get rid of the loophole that allows people to pay capital gains taxes because they're capital gains, then pay a lower tax rate than people who get paid a paycheck. That's not a loophole. Oh, wait, that's a law. That's what the capital gains tax rate is. Right. That's not a loophole. Yeah. It's the law that the tax rate is. Okay? Yeah. We can't, we can't just say lo- this is not a, a capital gains loophole. These are people that are making money off of their invested capital that they have, which is a good thing, by the way. You want people to invest their capital. No, it's evil, Nate. It is evil. They should be giving it to the government. We're only going to affect three-tenths of one percent of all Americans by that action. Three-tenths of one percent. Just like the income tax in yeah. 1913. The IRS is going to crack down Almost on no one. millionaires and billionaires who cheat on their taxes. Like Bernie. It's <laughs> estimated to be billions of dollars by think tanks that are left, right, and center. I'm not looking to punish anybody. But I will not add a tax burden, additional tax burden, to the middle class in this country. They're already paying enough. I just okay this is going to be a bad analogy but because he's creepy it's just like i, I promise i'm not raping you <laughs> i'm just slowly touching you well that is what the government's I, doing to us all yeah, the time I know. so it's okay his but his I creepy pro- whisper i promise i'm i promise i'm not raping it's you. not sexual assault i don't want to rape anyone i just want to touch you and pet your hair a little bit <laughs> and maybe slowly insert myself it's not rape I'm not, I don't want to hurt anyone. Trickle D said, this is totally normal. <laughs> if you just let me do it, it's a, you're going to be just fine. And you're not allowed to say no, <laughs> or you'll go to jail. I'll put you in prison if you refuse. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, man. I believe what I propose is fair. Fiscally responsible. And it raises revenue. To- he just said the words fiscally responsible. Oh. I'm not even going to say anything else. We're just going to pay for the plans I propose and will create millions of jobs that will grow the economy and enhance our financial standing in the country. When you hear someone say they don't want to raise taxes on the wealthiest 1%, 
or corporate America. Ask them whose taxes you want to raise. Instead, who's are going to cut? These guess it's like those are the options. Those yeah, we don't <laughs> we can't reduce spending. No. Okay, that's not an option. We have to raise someone's like, taxes. Who's it going to be? It's like guys, someone's got to die. <laughs> you want it to be you or this guy? Who do you want yeah. it to be? <laughs> it's, like, it's ridiculous yeah someone's gonna get it today so, someone's gonna drown it's either you we're or all him. in this boat and no. some people are gonna drown there is there's another option you want to save the women and children like, or yourself in this scenario the only option is to raise taxes and the only reason that you have to raise taxes is because he wants to spend all this money right he's like it's got to be someone yeah you want it to be you or the other guy who's it gonna be <laughs> Those aren't the only options. Don't spend the money. Stop. Stop taking money from people. Stop spending the money. <laughs> There's a third option. I choose C. <laughs> uh oh. I almost had a terrorist attack right there. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody trying to spread COVID. <laughs> I was surprised they didn't all duck down. <laughs> Miss me. <laughs> Look, the big tax code of 2017. Remember, it was supposed to pay for itself. That was how it was sold. And generate vast economic growth. And <laughs> no, it was, it was hang on. Let, let it play. Let it play. I know what he says after this. Instead, it added $2 trillion to the deficit. <laughs> Do we have to tell the president what a deficit and a debt is? Do we have to tell him about the pandemic and the government shutting everything down and then spending almost four trillion or six trillion dollars <laughs> on the pandemic and then somehow we have a two trillion dollar deficit somehow and not to mention willy-nilly i don't know where it came from it has to be the tax cuts can't be the fact that we send every everybody checks and this giant ppp loans couldn't be that it's the, it's it was the tax cuts yep they added two trillion we to had the deficit, the deficit. they also, actually generated more tax revenue in 2019 on lower tax rate they generated more revenue on a lower tax rate than they did the previous years now the other thing is you can't cut taxes in 2017 and then and then they go into effect in 2018 and then say well obviously the tax cuts didn't work because everyone in the government knows it only takes one freaking year to build a successful business that's what they know. Yeah. If you, we gave you guys a couple of years. You didn't completely change the face of the American economy in two years. So obviously it doesn't work. No, it takes years. How long did it take for Amazon to, to actually get out there and then eventually become profitable? Like 20 years. 20 years. By it the way, they tripled profits from last year. <laughs> did they? Yeah. Are they popping up? Yeah, they were. Yeah. Okay. I hope they're, did they announce a split? Uh, not that I know of, not oh, that I've seen. Okay. Listen, it takes more than two years to take a tax cut and have it reverberate through an economy, have it work through a business cycle, which I believe is seven years, something like that. Actually have it work through the cycle and create any type of growth whatsoever. And not to mention everyone knows that the tax rate's not going to stick. They know that it's going to be changed eventually and businesses have to think more than a couple of years into the future. So they're still going to be doing business based on the fact that some idiot's going to get in there and then raise the taxes and create all kinds of new regulations. 
The only thing you could do that would actually spur the crazy growth is to create a freaking constitutional amendment or something that says, here's a, here's a 30-year fixed tax rate. 30-year fixed tax rate for you. It's going to be 15%. It's going to be 20%. Make it the 21.5 or whatever it is right now. 30 years, we're going to lock you in at 21.5 percentage. This exact tax law. And then you'll see the crazy growth after that. But you can't blame the idea of free market economics and say, well, this doesn't work because we cut taxes. And two years later, look at the situation we're in now. We have all these unemployed people. See, it doesn't work. And he's even going to name what doesn't work. Don't worry, Charlie. He's got the name for what doesn't work. It was a huge windfall for corporate America and those at the very top. Instead of using the tax saving to raise wages and invest in research and development, it poured billions of dollars into the pockets of CEOs. I forgot about that part. Mm -hmm. Instead of using it to put in the R&D, here's where all the money went from the tax savings. It all went to CEOs. Billions. Billions of dollars went to CEOs. That's where it went. Mm -hmm. There are some multiple CEOs out there that got billion-dollar salaries. The highest-paid CEOs in the history of freaking humanity are out there magically making all of these billions of dollars in savings. By the way, what they said, it's going to be $1.7 trillion over uh, 10 years, so $170 billion. That all just got divided out between the CEOs. That's where it went. You didn't see massive bonuses from Walmart. You didn't see Walmart raise their wage up to $11 an hour. You didn't see Amazon raise their wage up to $15 an hour. My my wife's company didn't start a program where they pay for your college. None of that happened. AT&T gave out $1,000 bonuses. Yeah. Oh, we. This is a flat-out lie. It's literally a lie. He's mm -hmm. saying they didn't kick back any of this money. They just gave it all to their evil CEOs. That's where all of it went. Oh, my gosh. In fact, the pay gap between CEOs and their workers is now among the largest in history. According to one study, CEOs make 320 times what the average worker in their corporation makes. Used to be in the below 100. Doesn't matter. First off, yeah, we've had this conversation a bunch of times. And the reason that jumped up so much was because people started moving into compensation instead of wages for the CEOs. Compensation packages. Compensation mm -hmm. compensation packages. And that yeah. was, by the way, to try and escape taxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why that happened. So they, could, so they only had to pay the capital gains rate. Yeah. And not, not salary rate. That's why they pay themselves mostly the in stock options. Has only made things worse. 20 million Americans lost their job in the pandemic. They just lost it. Working in middle class America. Can't find it. <laughs> I misplaced my job. <laughs> It's, I checked the lost and found. It's not where'd there. The, where'd it go? You guys help me find my job? Does yeah. government have lost and found somewhere? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At the same time, roughly 650 billionaires in America saw their net worth increase by more than $1 trillion in the same exact period. Let me from, say it again. From the bottom of the stock market, by the way, to, to the top now, because we're on all-time highs. Oh, I wish I could pull out a chart with a leftist and show this to them. <laughs> this is probably the most skewed statistic that has been thrown around everywhere that I've, I mean, this beats the, the, uh, poor pay a, a higher tax rate than the rich mm -hmm. that can at least be, Oh, well, we didn't count tax credits. You know, we didn't count that. We're just counting the, the, the actual percentages that people were charged. This is a blatant 
blatant misrepresentation of the statistics. Yeah. It could not be any more blatant. If you studied stock charts and you followed the stock market, people who do that, they know how blatant this is. You literally pull from the bottom up to where it is right now, but they have not counted how much it fell down before that. It is, it's, all right, let's go. I know someone, <laughs> I know someone, uh, this is, and this is a regular person who lost when the, when the pandemic hit, they lost 30% of their trading, not trading account, but 30% of their, of their investments, um, which, which was about $300,000. So they had roughly a million dollars invested and there wasn't a CEO or anybody else like that. And now that person has gained like 200% since that time. And so they made up the 30% and now their, their portfolio is up a lot higher I mean, it's because, so because we had a dip in the market from the pandemic. And then since then, everything started going back up because it, the market knew that this wasn't a real recession. It was caused by government force. It was so, it's so blatant that it doesn't even take the market going up past where it was during, during this drop. Like that's how blatant this is. Literally this statistic would be the same thing as someone in January had a hundred dollars during March at the height of the crash, it dropped down to $70 and then it went back up to a hundred a few months after that. They would take the statistic and say that this guy made $30 during the pandemic. That's how blatant it is. I was actually just pulling up a, a chart to, to show people if they wanted to see just how crazy blatant this thing is, if you're watching live, and I know a lot of you, a lot of you guys are already doing this, but this is the S&P right here. And let's see, I will make this a little bigger for you. That's what she said. This is where the pandemic began. This is where it started to drop like crazy. This right here is the middle of March. This right here is where they are starting to pull their data from how much money people made during the pandemic. Right here. Now their money fell from this height right up here around, uh, where was it? 33.56, something like that. It fell all the way down to here and then they started pulling their data from right here. And then said, well, look at all this money this person made during the pandemic. It's, uh, hopefully people will go find the video. You can go find it on YouTube if John ends up putting this on there. It's one of the more blatant misrepresentations I've ever seen of data. Mm -hmm. It is so obvious. It's, it's, in, it's infuriating, infuriating, man. So ridiculous. All right, let me uh, finish this up. People increased their wealth by more than $1 trillion during this pandemic. And they're now worth more than $4 trillion. My fellow Americans. By the way, that entire amount, if all of it was confiscated, the wealth of all the billionaires since the creation of America, by the way, the wealth of all the billionaires that exist right now, if you took all of it, it would just barely pay for Biden's last 40 days of policy proposals. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Then it would be gone. It would all be gone. And the That's government it. would blow all of it. Yeah. All right. Trickle down. Trickle-down economics has never worked. There it is again. It's time to grow the economy from the bottom and the middle out. Where you at, Trickle D? Trickle D. Where you at, Trickle D? Got a name drop in there from the president. Yeah. Woo! 
Okay, we did a long thing about trickle-down economics the other day, and since the podcast ran along, do you have anything you want to say no, about that? No, okay. go check it out. Listen to the last 500 episodes. Yep, take the 445-episode challenge. Um, let's see if we can squeeze one more in here. And I, need to, I need not tell anyone this, but gun violence has become an epidemic in America. The flag at the White House was still flying at half-mast for the eight victims of the mass shooting in Georgia, when 10 more lives were taken in the mass shooting in Colorado. And in the week in between those two events, 250 other Americans were shot dead in the streets of America. 250 shot dead. I know how hard it is to make progress on this issue. In the 90s, we passed universal background checks. A ban on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines that hold 100 rounds that can be fired off in seconds. We beat the NRA. Mass shootings and gun violence declined. Check out the report over 10 years. But in the early 2000s, the law expired. We've seen daily bloodshed since. I'm not saying if the law continued, we wouldn't see bloodshed. But in the early 2000s, the law expired. We've seen daily bloodshed since. I'm not saying if the law continued, we wouldn't see bloodshed. One of them. Now, one thing we know from the statistics here, this is a longer clip, but the bloodshed, he's talking about the assault weapons ban. Yeah. And that's what he's talking about. And now the law, now it's expired and we're seeing all this bloodshed. It's not from assault weapons. We The, the data are in on this. It's, it's mostly handguns. Mostly knives. Well, actually, yeah. that's what it mostly is. Blunt instruments, also. Yeah. It's and not assault weapons. No, you you could completely remove all the deaths from the assault weapons, and you wouldn't even notice it on the chart. That's how small it would be mm-hmm. over that time frame. But he talks about the assault weapons ban and links it in with the gun violence and an uptick in gun violence, as if those are actually correlated. But they're not, because the data is not coming from assault weapons. And then he also links in other stuff that the data is not connected to. Is banning so-called ghost guns. These are homemade guns built from a kit that includes directions how to finish the firearm. The parts have no serial numbers. So they show up at crime scenes and they can't be traced. The buyers of these ghost gun kits aren't required to pass any background check. Anyone from a criminal or terrorist could buy this kit and within 30 minutes, have a weapon that's lethal, but no more. And I'll do everything in my power to protect the American people from this epidemic of gun violence, but it's time for Congress to act as well. So how many ghost gun deaths have there been? It is so small (laughs) that there are actually no statistics on it. And I spent a while trying to find it. And you actually, they don't have a number that they're tracking for it. Oh, these ghost ghost guns. guns. But this scary. has been a thing. That, and so scary, man. The way that they do this is they link it in. They talk about the flags being at half mass because of these mass shootings. And they talk about 250 people being killed by guns. And then he says, we had an assault weapons ban, and then we got rid of it. And now we have all these ghosts, these scary ghost guns. All this guns, bloodshed and, all and this ghost bloodshed. guns. But the, the things, the heartstrings he tugged on beforehand are not correlated with the things he talked about afterwards. At, at all. Not one bit. Not one bit are they correlated with them. 
the people, even the people who had the guns, most of them obtained them legally. You know, most or some of them, I mean, the kids, obviously, they didn't get them legally, but no one's proposing anything that would actually stop these things from happen, mm. happening. Because the government can't stop these things from happening, no. first off. They can't stop people from buying drugs if they want to. They've tried for 100 years to stop people from buying drugs, and they can't do that. And they're eventually giving up on it. And now, not only normal guns, but the government's going to magically be able to stop ghost guns. They're so damn stealthy... They're called ghost guns. Can't the even government, see them. And we're gonna we're gonna stop them somehow. Mm-hmm. It, it's a ridiculous thing, and it just he had to pump you up about how awesome the government was beforehand to make you think that this was even possible. Yeah, that's all the clips I have here from this that's, from this thing. I think that we spent enough time on it. Yeah, I'm, I actually didn't even plan on talking about this today until you mentioned the speech, and I was like, oh well, I guess we should talk about the speech. That's fine. <laughs> I think okay. it was. A, I think it was a good episode. No, I, I like. I think it's good when we go through stuff like this. Um, there were a lot of other objectionable things said, but my major synopsis is: they want you to believe that something has happened to you due to completely external sources, and that the your only hope is that the government can fix it, which has been the mm-hmm. same thing forever that they've always wanted to do. By they, I mean people that are inside of the government or well, people who support that. Joe's been in there for 40 years. Well, yeah, so him. 40, yeah. 40, I don't Well, how long? 44 years, something like yeah. that. He's been working on these problems for a long time, folks. He's, he's the guy. So he still wants people to believe this, and that is what this speech was about, that there are problems through no fault of anyone's own, except for maybe Trump, that, are, that exist. It's the rich people's fault. The rich people, Trump. Right-wingers who won't wear their masks or get vaccines. And everyone else was just a complete victim in this story. None of it was the government's fault, but they can definitely help with all of it, and that's their purpose. That is what the government can do, is they mm. come in here and they want to help people. That's what they do. So put your trust in them. Yeah. And uh, if you still believe in that sort of thing, you're probably not listening to us talk right now, but we know better. <laughs> that's why I love all these people who listen to our podcast, man. Which is why you need to subscribe. Yep. And you need to share the show with a friend. Share it with a ghost. Maybe they need to hear this so they can, you know, keep track of their guns or something. I don't know. Share it with a ghost. Share it with a friend, an enemy, a cousin, brother, mother, sister, father, brother, and an aunt. Yeah. All of those people. Not the little ants that you have in your ant farm. I'm talking about your aunt uh, who's married to Uncle Bobby. And uh, share it with them. And then if you do that, leave us that rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Sign up for Patreon because we're having a 500th episode uh, get-together uh, this summer, which is going to be awesome. I'm not going to do an ad for it, but if you go to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty, it's the only place you need to go to. For as little as five bucks a month, you can join in on this awesome crowd, and then you get a chance um, to be to join us at the 500th live episode. It's mm. going to be pretty cool. It's going to be good. We're also, as Nate mentioned, uh, looking at three different places we're going this year, which is uh, Pork Fest, Freedom Fest, and... The Young Americans for Liberty uh, Revolution uh, Convention. I believe it's going to be in, uh, what is it, Connecticut? Which one? Uh, is that Freedom Fest? Freedom Fest is out northeast somewhere. I think it's Connecticut. And then, or New Hampshire. No, wait. One of them is at, one of them is at Pork uh, Fest is Mount at Rushmore. In uh, South Dakota. Yeah. Right? Is that, that where, Mount is Rushmore. Is that where Mount Rushmore is? Yeah. It is actually at the park. Yeah. Like at Mount Rushmore. And then Orlando. Oh, Pork um, Fest is New Hampshire. Freedom Fest is Mount Rushmore. Okay, there yeah. we go. 
Pork Fest, New Hampshire. Freedom Fest is Mount Rushmore. And the Young Americans for Liberty is going to be uh, near Orlando, Florida. So if you guys are close by to any of those, then you should uh, let us know. And we will make sure you guys have the information to get there as well. Um, and you can see us do a live show from there too. Yeah. Because uh, we're going we're gonna to be doing live shows from all the places. And so that's really exciting. It's going to be a cool year. I'm glad that we're able to get out and do things again. That's going to be really good for the psyche. I tell you what, I've been struggling. I have. That's why I use BetterHelp. <laughs> um, I'm not going to do an ad for it because we do those later. But but I, I truly am during this forced government shutdown because I'm used to working from home. No big deal working from home. <laughs> but it's the, uh, it's the not being able to go out and do things or take trips or anything like that. Uh, like I used to, I used to be gone way more. And so I'm looking forward to all that. So, uh, y'all hit us up if you're going to be out and about at those festivals, cause that would be really fun to meet up with some of y'all. Uh, and then of course, like I said, the 500th episode, uh, live that we're going to do is going to be a blast. You don't want to miss that. That's about all I have on the, uh, the list of <clears throat> announcements, I guess. Those are the announcements. Yeah. All right. And, if you- and uh, if you like, if you like the show, share the show. If you like your show, you can keep your show. If, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> you do the math. All right, I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>